It's a trap! Hello and welcome to Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Carson Ray. Hey, everybody. It is a great day to talk about some X-Wing. And it's a great week to be a Star Wars fan. By the time this episode is posting, today will be uh, Revenge of the Fifth, which means, of course, yesterday was Star Wars Day, May the 4th, be with you. And we thought we'd do something a little different for this week's episode, something a little more, I don't know, freeform and fun. Yeah, instead of, you know, looking at kind of the content that uh, Fancy Flight and now AMG will be making for us, we decided, you know what, let's let's reverse that role today. Let's let's join in, in creating some Star Wars content. Right, because as uh, X-Wing Miniatures critics, oftentimes we criticize car designs here. But, you know, designing things is a very difficult job. So we thought we'd put ourselves in the place of the designers, make some of our own car designs. And that way, all of you uh, listeners can pick them apart and explain why they're terrible and why we did a bad job. Yeah, and, and just from this, I, I've realized I don't ever want to complain about uh, <laughs> someone else's design ever again. It's it's kind of harder than it looks. Uh, so we each came up with uh, some criteria, three-card criteria, and we each designed a card to that criteria. So today we're going to talk about those cards, we'll evaluate each other's cards, and then we'll kind of figure out what we think they should cost if they were actually available. Yeah, and, and John said that he had the best designs, um, and that he, you know, he really thought he should be a designer for this game and then you know it came time to share those designs <laughs> um not really sure where where he went nowhere to be so. found we'll make him share his all hmm. by himself next time interesting <laughs> let's get into it all right so we have three we set up three criteria or more specifically i picked three criteria here which were actually inspired from recent x-wing releases so uh the card criteria i set up were the first one is a cannon upgrade that would complement the tie defender elite config the second one is a talent upgrade that uses charge tokens in a non-standard way and then the third one is a new pilot card for an iconic star wars character that already appears in the game yeah and these are great because I think when you are designing something, actually, like the most useful thing is constraint. Like, give me these limitations, and then within that, I can come up with something unique, right? Right, because if I was like, let's just each design three cool X-Wing cards, you could sit there because there's so many like avenues you could go and so many new mechanics you could explore this way we actually had some walls to work within, which I and honestly, I didn't design any of these cards before I set the criteria, I promise. Uh-huh, sure. Um, but yeah, like that that limitation, it, it definitely does promote creativity, which is, I think, counterintuitive. Uh, but that's an important part of design is, you know, here's this unique challenge. And and I think the normal designers here for X-Wing do get that of like, okay, these are the characters we're going to have in this release, right? And then they have to think, about, okay, well, what what does that character encompass, right? Or, or what missing like kind of card role um, do we need to fill right? We need a card that um, interacts with the force, right? How do we design a card that interacts with the force? You know, those little constraints, like that's that's kind of what you do to get um, that initial creative inspiration and make sure you have a game that, you know, addresses all these different needs. I, and I think I can speak for both of us uh, by saying that I think when we were designing these, I would imagine, Carson, that you were also working 
within the confines of this is something I want to be able to actually appear in the game. Because obviously we could design all kinds of wildly powerful cards with broken mechanics, but um, I was trying to make them so that they could actually, at a point value, fit in competitive X-Wing. You know, that's definitely the place I started with. I, I feel like all my cards feel kind of broken when I'm looking <laughs> at them now. Um, and, and so we'll see. <laughs> Let me know what you think if, if they're a little too busted. I mean, worst case, this will put uh, things in perspective for people to see what our view of what the game should be is, is actually. Um, let's start with that first one, though. Carson, you can go first. Share a, a cannon upgrade that would complement the TIE Defender Elite config. Right. So looking at that, I really focused on, okay, well, what cannon does a TIE Defender Elite want? And particularly, like, what is the TIE Defender Elite doing? Like, why am I taking a TIE Defender Elite over um, that normal defender? You know, the normal defender has that full throttle, get that free evade. It's a great ability. Well, like, what happens when I get rid of that? What What is my mindset of taking that Defender Elite Yes, I get to shoot more, right? I have a cannon, so I can use the cannon attack and a primary attack. Um, but I need to make that trade-off worth it for losing that substantial defense. Um, that's the main reason you normally take a defender. So with that in mind, um, I present the Mirror Lance, which is maybe a little bit of a cheesy name. Um, as a kind of a little bit... Um, inspired by some Eldar weapons, which are kind of big cannons. Uh, but the Mirror Lance is an eight-point cannon, or at least that's where I'm, I'm saying, eh, I think this might cost about eight points. I'll, I'll be the judge of that afterwards. But Yeah. Um, so it's got three attack dice at range one to three. So nothing really interesting there. The interesting part here is the text that reads, uh, if you suffered damage this turn, Roll one additional die. All right. So this is interesting. Um, I like so what I like about this design right away is I like the cleanness of it. It's very straightforward and clear, and there's not a lot of extra criteria. It's a full range cannon. It has just the kind of standard attack value of three, which is good offense. And you get that spike damage from being able to roll the extra die. But I like the gameplay there, because right, because if you get an extra die only if you've suffered damage. That puts um, some decision-making on your opponents, right, where they have to determine, all right, how good is the shot that this card has um, against me? Do I want to do that damage here so they can shoot at me? So I understand it, Carson. If you're at range one of someone with Mirror Lance and you deal damage to them, when they shoot back, they'll be rolling five attack dice at range one? Right, and following that up with a four attack dice uh, primary, right? Um, and, and so I wasn't actually sure if I should include range one on this. I just kind of did. And, and maybe it needs to cost more because of that. But like the thing with the Defender Elite, like the, they're an expensive ship. You're paying two extra points for that configuration and you're losing your defense. Right. And, and so the reason you're taking the ship is I am here to deal a lot of damage uh, before those seven hit points go away. And, you know, with this cannon, it's it's a retaliatory cannon. It's okay if you are targeting me, then I get to deal more damage. And if I put this on a high initiative ship, well, I might attack before you shoot me, and so then it doesn't really get that benefit. Um, and so you want to use it on lower initiative pilots, which I think inherently means you can get away with putting a little bit more power there. Um, okay, so is this card then tie defender like tie defender only? Um, that part, 
it might need to be. I'm, I haven't really thought about, <laughs> is this too busted on uh, okay, so, like a bunch of Sikhs or something, right? So here, okay, so here's, I was assuming it was not tie defender elite only. So if I had to evaluate about like where the point threshold would start if this card was launched in an expansion, like where it would start, I, if it's not tie defender only, I think you couldn't go lower than 12 points for this. And I have a good argument for that because um, any ship with a primary value of two that can take the cannon slot, um, that's kind of a constraint there. So upping that with a one to three range attack that has no other constraints and can actually only do more damage for eight points would be way too inexpensive. How about a requirement that you have three attack dice? Does that change anything? Okay, in that range, okay, let's say it has a requirement for three attack dice. I could maybe, I could go 10. I still think eight's a little too cheap for how powerful double tap could be with this. Okay, um, so like compare it to the heavy laser cannon, which costs five points. Right. So you get to just roll four attack dice with that. But it's only in bullseye. Right. So there's a counterbalance. Yeah. So like this one, like taking damage is a big cost. Right. And so I think that lets you put some power outside of points. Right. But taking damage is not strictly a cost in the sense that um, you're going to generally take damage no matter what. It's not like you're always choosing to take that cost. If it was like suffer a damage to roll an extra die, that would be different. Since that's a natural part of the game, I don't think you should always just be rewarded for participating in the game, especially if it means you're participating in a way where you take damage. But like this is less powerful the higher your initiative, right? True. And so like I think that means like the high price point for things are generally like when one ship takes it, right? Oh, this is way too good if one person takes it. I'm I'm going to stand by if it's ships with only three tech dice or more, I'm going to stand by 10 points. I'm happy to hear people argue why it should be low. So I think 12 is too many. I think I can see 10. I think I could see this being launched at eight points and then going up to 10. But like proton torpedoes is 12, right? Or is it 13? Uh, this car, uh, it's 13 right now. Okay. I think it's worse than Proton Torpedoes. I think by the fact that it is has a recursive value more than Proton Torpedoes, I don't think you can say that. Okay, so the thing, though, is those recursive values, I don't feel like they matter as much um, because, like, ships generally don't last that long. Like, two charges on a Proton Torpedo, like, when you're spamming it, um doesn't really matter all right you've spent a long time arguing for this and i really want to get to my card also i was wrong proton torpedoes is 12 points but even still um let's get over to my cannon because uh you've already fulfilled your promise of designing overpowered broken cards because at eight points i think that is pretty overpowered and broken okay cool uh let's see where mine falls i don't think that's the worst (laughs) defender yet though (laughs) it's only i thought that was my balance (laughs) it's only downhill from here all right so my cannon here that would complement a tie defender this one could be used on any ship though and i think i can argue why it's fairly balanced it's called Disruptor Beam. It is a three attack dice cannon in the full, full regular forward arc, range one to three, so very similar to yours so far. Um, but it has the attack header. If this attack hits, spend any number of hit or crit results to remove an equal number of shields from the defender, then cancel all remaining hit and crit results. Okay, so I need to walk through what what exactly happens there because there's a lot of kind of timing things. Um, Okay, so if I roll like three dice, 
Uh, and of course, I just natties get three hits. Of with course, this cannon. Okay. Um, you roll your defense and get two of eights. Right. So I have one hit or crit going through. Um, it's probably a crit because it's my dice. And then, so my attack hits. It does. At that, so do point, I cancel one shield with the one die going through, or or what happens there? Right. So it's a lot of words, but mechanically, what it does is it's an it's an attack that can only remove shields potentially, since all the dice get canceled regardless of whether or not you spend them to um, remove shields. It is a cannon that exclusively removes shields. Um, so it doesn't matter how many evades, like or how many hits you cancel with your evades, because I cancel my hits before we do that. Right. Once it hits. Then I get to cancel all of them. So any hit or crit I got, I can get rid of that many shields. Exactly. Is that right? So if you rolled three hits and they rolled no defense, you could remove up to three shields, assuming they had that many. If they only had two shields, you'd remove two and it would do no other damage. Okay, so that strips all the shields, potentially. Right. But then after that, if I'm just have whole, can this attack do anything? No. So here, this is why I think it's interesting, right? So in most cases, so not looking at the TIE Defender, uh, this is a cannon upgrade that could improve the attack of, like, let's say a ship that has normally two attack dice. It can give them functionally a three attack dice attack for some of the game. When it gets down to hull, suddenly they have to use their primary weapon because the cannon can no longer do anything but take shields. But for that time window early on while they're shooting at things that have shields, it would have the functional attack power of, like, a three dice attack. Okay, but if I have three shields and you roll three hits and I evade two of them, right? Yeah. But you cancel three of my shields, it's kind of more like that attack had five dice. Oh, so I am sorry. So to clarify, um, you would cancel, I believe the way the timing works is, I could be wrong on this, you cancel, the dice cancel each other after the attack hits. So you cancel results first then you spend the remaining results. I think maybe that's where you're confused. Wait. So okay. So in my three hit, I didn't know this was going to this was going to turn agility. into an essentials episode where Do I explained I remove how dice three cancel shields each other. or one shield. So you only get the one shield, Carson. I think you're confused oh, on the mechanics. Okay. 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 Well, yes, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> this is not auto remove. I, I hope people understood that. So when you perform the attack. To check if it hits, you have to cancel results. So there have to be remaining hit or crit results for an attack to hit. So let's just go through a regular X-Wing roll here. You roll three hits. I roll two evades. We cancel two of the hit results with two of the evade results. That leaves one hit result remaining. That would be the one that would deal damage or in the suspend it to remove a shield. I've gotten pretty bad. Like whenever I don't understand anything, I just have a judge explain to me. <laughs> and it's gotten to a point where like I just don't bother learning. This is why you judge events and right. I don't. Um now that you know that, does that change your opinion? So that's great. Okay, so it could only it only does shield damage equal to basically what you get. Exactly. So it's it's, but it only does shield damage. Correct. So on ships that are not the Tie Defender Elite, it basically gives them a the function of a full normal three dice attack, but it's capped at when the enemy ships don't have shields anymore. It can't do anything with it. So with the Defender, I use my disruptor beam. 
I knock off some shields with that, and then I follow up with a primary attack. That's kind of the the follow up here. Exactly. Um, and now, why I think okay. so? Why I think that's interesting is because you get the full function of like having two full power attacks early on in the game, where you're, you know, early on presumably the sh- enemy ships are going to have more shields, so you get like the function of two full attacks. But at the end game, it's not overpowered because it can't really do anything, or it forces you to spread out your attacks to other targets with shields. Okay, so I I think that's like a balanced fair card. How many points is this? So, um, the where I think my argument is this cannon. Looking at what the other cannons can do and how effective this one is, I'd put disruptor at six points. Okay, I would put this at like maybe two points is too many for this. Really? Okay. I don't think this is that good, Tim. And here's really where I'm at is. I don't know if I want to take a Defender Elite to take this card. Um, because I don't think that's substantial enough offense to warrant having a Defender Elite. So an Ion Cannon is six points. And you think this is less effective than an Ion Cannon? This is absolutely less effective than All an right. Ion Cannon. Yeah, I'll take right? that. An Ion Cannon... Well, an ion cannon can only do at most one damage, right? But also does ion stuff. If this card was two points, man, okay, again, I think you're just, now you're just breaking my cards. No, right, but like this only does shield damage and only does shield damage equal to the amount that you hit with your attack, right? Exactly, yep. I don't think that's that good. (laughs) I, I, you know, I maybe estimated high at six, but I was trying to keep in mind that, you know, when they balance cards, they balance them for all possibilities. If the TIE Defender Elite didn't exist, I'd probably put this closer to four. I don't know who would want to take this cannon. (laughs) I thought we got to knock out like three shields and I was excited. Just for for rolling hits, that seems pretty wild. Still has to hit, you know, but... (laughs) All right, um, we've spent enough time on the cannons. We're going to have to move on here since uh, you're having a hard time balancing any cards. All right, let's well, get over Well, no, no, but the thing at the TIE Defender Elite is you have to balance the trade-off of not having that elite configuration, right? And it's keeping your ship alive. And so to counter that, you need to have kind of overwhelming offense. And I don't think Disruptor Beam hits that threshold of providing overwhelming offense to want to give up the normal defender configuration. I think it does it better than almost any other cannon you could put on there. Maybe barring, I'm not sure. And I could see that argument if I'm not, if I'm paying functionally zero points for it. Because I think it sounds like your argument is that the tie defender elite config is just completely not usable still. Um, have we seen really? That's, well, that's fair. Um, and so that's where I was like, okay, well maybe we need a powerful cannon to tip that balance <laughs> is, is what I was looking at this problem. So with. Y- so you make, uh, okay, fair enough. All right, let's get over to our talents, though. I want to talk about more cards here. We spent enough time on these cannons. That wasn't even, I think, the most interesting designs we have. Um, <laughs> or the most broken. <laughs> I think my talent might be the most broken. Ta- I don't know. Your talent does everything. <laughs> let's look at mine, though, first. We'll go back okay. and forth. Uh, I so, think I like your talent better. <laughs> so mine was inspired. I've been playing a lot of Apex Legends recently, so this card is clearly inspired by playing that game uh, for a lot of different reasons. But this card is a unique uh, talent upgrade called Apex Predator. Again, the criteria here is a talent upgrade that uses charges in a non-standard way. So, unique Apex Predator. It comes with two charges and setup lose two charges. So, it starts with zero but has a threshold for two. While you defend or perform an attack, you may reroll a number of dice equal to the number of active charges on this card. Second part of the card. 
after you perform an attack, if the enemy ship is destroyed, recover one charge. Well, a few things I really like here. One is it's like a normal Predator, right, but extra. Yep. So it's built on Predator, right? And, and so I like I like that naming convention. And I like this concept of, okay, like I'm going to be, you know, the Apex or Alpha Predator. You know, like it's it's having this kind of status symbol for your pilot and then kind of making that claim and then you have to work to achieve that and i i think that's really cool and i so i think this card is like so re-rolling dice especially re-roll abilities that are on offense or defense are wildly powerful right there's a reason why lone wolf like you can only use once per turn because that's a really powerful ability and that's why they costed it up eventually right um so i think the balancing points to this card is because if you get to the point where you have two active charges on this thing and you're re-rolling like two defense dice each turn that's wildly good the balancing point is is that in order to get to that point you have to destroy ships and you have to be the ship that does the destroying right and i think there's something else to consider here is this um, this card does nothing until you kill a ship, right? Exactly. It does absolutely yes. nothing. You, you, it can have up to two charges, but you start with zero charges. You have to destroy a ship before this starts doing anything. And at the beginning of the game, that's when modification is most important, right? That's when like, you need to leverage your modification to get ahead in that initial exchange um, so you can start generating an advantage. Taking this card, you're starting the game with a disadvantage, right? Because you spent some number of points and not gotten anything exactly until you destroy a ship. And so I think that's a really cool um, aspect. So like you're going to get crazy powerful modification if you achieve these goals, uh, but you have to do that. And I, and I think it scales in an interesting way, too, where it also is very, like, metagame dependent on the number of ships and the durability of the ships that your opponents are running. Because, like, if you're running this card against a list that has six to eight ships, um, you're a lot more likely to be in a position where you destroy something and get the rerolls. Um, if you're playing against, like, trip aces or something, like, it'll be really hard for you to destroy a ship, but at the same time, it might be more valuable to get that reroll. Like, if you're running trip aces against trip aces... Where like late game, suddenly having those rerolls will be the thing that swings the game for you. I absolutely love the flavor of this card because um like this as like a, a pilot talent really speaks to okay, I'm gonna be this this ace uh pilot where like when you get that moment where you're in this like kind of dire situation, you're like range one uh against an opposing ship, and there's also like a bunch of other ships targeting you, uh, but you get to destroy that ship and then now you get this modification and that like saves you from whatever sketchy situation right. you're in. Um, like that's going to really feel uh, like you are this like hotshot ace, you know, just destroyed this ship and then uh, dodges all the opposing attacks. Like that's gonna be really cool. And that's like one of the, I think that's one of the things that makes X-Wing fun and feel Star Wars-y is those moments where like against all odds you can do something and then that swings the game towards you. Like, you know, killing that ship in the clutch moment to get the defensive mod feels pretty cool. Now, Carson, um, where I put this at point-wise because of the relatively high cost to enter is I say this is a four-point talent because of the potential benefit um, compared to the cost, because once you get to two rerolls, this would be the most probably the most powerful talent in the game, right? Well, once you get one reroll, it's better than Lone Wolf, right? So if it's costed under that, 
um, you're paying the cost and the destruction, right? And Lone Wolf's five right. points right now. And, and so where I thought to start with points for this would be that five points exactly equal to Lone Wolf, where you can get better than even if you kill one and you can get substantially better than that. So, so you'd go a little higher than where I was at. You go five, keep it on par with. I could see that. I could, I would buy that. But like, there's still that downside of you're not doing anything in the beginning. And, and so, I think like that's interesting where it's equal. I think when it doesn't cost too many points, then it's like, well, like I could take a bid or or this. Um, I, I think you want it to be a cost that that is felt. Mm-hmm. Um. And something where you are really substantially missing out if you don't reach that. Um, and so I, so I think five or six is a little better here. It's more difficult, too, when the range is that small, like for this card. Because like there's a very clear range for where talents fall. And like just that one point shift makes a huge difference as to like if it's way if it's too inexpensive that you would obviously include it versus like having that actual cost to it, including it in your list. Um, can you just imagine like a soon tier fell or like Fen Rao with, with double rerolls? Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be great. <laughs> we need this in the game. I need my Apex Predator Fen Rao. He even has like the skull crossbone looks of the, the Apex Predators. It'd be so good. All right, what's your talent that uses charge tokens in a non standard way? Okay, um, so I, I don't know if I'm like sold on the name of this, I just threw out like reckless arrogance. Um, I, but the mechanic was really kind of based on the theme of being someone who could handle maneuvering through the rocks and kind of intimidated others uh, around the rocks to where they made some poor decisions it was kind of like what I was going for conceptually. Okay. And so this card um, has two charges that are not recurring. And on setup, you lose one of those charges. So you can have at max two, you start with one. Like two. And then, yeah. So then the only way to get charges is after you move through an obstacle, you gain a charge token. Okay. Um, so, if you, so if you fly over an obstacle, you get a charge token. And then there's two things you can do with those charge tokens. So after you activate, uh, you can spend a charge token to gain a calculate. And so that means, like, uh, generally you do not get an action after you move through an obstacle so this gives you a way to um get an action but not like a full action right just just to calculate just a little minor one and you could also stockpile it for later so even if you're not moving through an obstacle okay you can pull up you can you can reward yourself by flying through an obstacle in the later turn but you do still get like all the negative impacts of the obstacle right you roll for whatever damage you get whatever negative tokens and then uh the part that i really wanted is um, if another ship overlaps an obstacle at range zero to one, spend a charge to have that ship suffer one damage. Um, and I just kind of feel like we need more cards that make obstacles hurt more. Uh, okay. Uh, because there's plenty of cards to mitigate the um, negative impacts of obstacles. And so we need uh, some cards that say, you know what? You want to be avoiding these obstacles. Okay. So mechanically, I understand that that's powerful. Can you explain to me thematically what what's going on like, oh, what okay. does that so, represent <laughs> i i imagine because it's like okay so you to get these charges right you are flying through these obstacles and so it's kind of like oh we're both like going through this asteroid and i kind of like 
move in a little close to you and you get scared and then bump into the obstacle. It's kind of like <laughs> uh, flavor wise what I thought was happening. Something along those lines. So it's kind of a mix of like starboard slash and intimidation, right? Yes, like it's in that. But mechanic. they get intimidated and bump into the rock. And they get spooked yeah. and they scream. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, so point wise, I would, where would you put this? So I wasn't really sure. And this is funny because <laughs> Um, I put this at the same points as your talent at four points. Okay. Um, which is, I think, a lot for a talent. Um, and I was trying to, like, okay, like, at base value, if you do nothing, you can spend one charge to gain a calculate token, right? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Or, or, like, crack shot is like three points, and you can spend that to deal, like, kind of one extra damage. Um, and, and so to get the other elements of this card well you have to go over obstacles so so i didn't feel like that should cost you too much more and so that's where i kind of landed at four points so i actually think that's that's a pretty good number for it i think um well it's kind of hard to say so i think the biggest hold up for me on why i think it might need to cost more is because of gas clouds and how they are not like it's relatively easy to early on in the game go through a gas cloud even though they do a more negative effect now like to stockpile that extra charge so you can get the calculate later but i don't feel like getting a single calculate later is really like amazingly good right like stockpiling one because you can only trigger this once per round so and then like once the calculate's gone it doesn't turn back into a charge so i i think i could see this at four points and being a usable now is this uh is reckless arrogance uh limited or not i don't think it's limited okay because your whole squad could be reckless and arrogant right right um and I, I like the flavor of making yours unique. Okay, no, it's not. I'm not just a predator. I'm I'm the apex predator. Right. So that's like only one of us can, can be the the king here. Um, and I actually initially thought about okay, well maybe you shouldn't start with any charges. But then I didn't think that led to a good initial play pattern of like okay, the first thing I'm going to do is run over my gas cloud. Mm-hmm. Right. I wanted to kind of disincentivize that. So I was like, okay, well let's have you start with one charge. So you don't have to necessarily do that. And that like feeds into the reckless part of like you're you'd go into battle even though you have just the calculate like you're kind of reckless like that's fine that's right. enough. I I think that's a I think that's a fine threshold. I think the point range is right at four to um fit in with the other talents that are available because the ones that are like in the five to six range have some pretty powerful effects like uh, lone wolf or outmaneuver. Um, this one being slightly cheaper than that does make it a real decision of like, hmm, do I want to run this? I think the other thing that's good too is that this is a card that's not um, initiative dependent, um, which is cool. So a lot of talents often have kind of an initiative tied to them inherently because they're more valuable at higher initiatives. I feel like any like cards at all initiative levels could use this in an interesting way. Yeah, and I, I do like the concept of like, rewarding you for going over an obstacle and not in like a you don't suffer the consequences of the obstacle but you get something out of it i like that yeah make obstacles matter in a fun way without undermining their um their game effects all right so let's get down to our last card design here uh this one was kind of the hardest for me the other two came a little bit more easy but um, a new pilot card for an iconic Star Wars character that already appears in the game. This was kind of inspired by us seeing, you know, repeatedly new versions of pilots like Anakin Skywalker in multiple ships and Darth Vader now in the TIE Defender. Um, so I wanted us to take another iconic Star Wars character and put them in a new pilot card. So, Carson, let's uh, let's start with you now so we bounce back and forth again. Yeah, so 
Um, I think this was, as far as like design criteria, this one was the hardest for me. This this felt pretty wide open. Um, we have a lot of pilots already in the game, and so just restricting to somebody who's already appeared um, didn't really feel uh, that restricting. Which which meant, oh, actually, this design is kind of hard. Mm-hmm. And so then it was like, okay, well, like whose design do I feel like eh, I didn't quite like the flavor of? That I think. I, I would rather uh, take a shot at, at capturing the flavor of that character again. And where I ended up with was looking at Yoda. Uh, so we just had Yoda um, show up in the Eda. And it, it was a, it's a cool design with that Yoda. Um, you know, it focuses a bit more on his leadership abilities um, and less on Yoda as an individual. Right. Yeah. He's very much a support ability. When other ships spend, he can recover, use his force to share the force basically. Right. But he does have that, you know, kind of recovering force, which which does feel um, like a pretty good flavorful connection for who Yoda is as a character. Uh, But I wanted to look at that in kind of a more personal aspect. Um, And so this is um, Yoda in the Delta seven ether sprite. Um, And also, I think it's important to note uh, that I gave him a different subtitle because uh, Grand General or Grand Master or whatever that he has in the Eda. It's boring. It's not a great uh, Yoda subtitle. This is Yoda. He needs a good subtitle. And so I just went with size matters not. Um, Perfect. <laughs> partially because um, I think this uh, fits with the the mechanic I went with here for his ability. And um, I don't know. It's just like he's this little guy that uses other people's strength against them. Uh, it, it's really cool. So what does he do? What's his stat line? What's his uh, Right. Layout? So I. I I wasn't quite sure what initiative to put him at. I kept him with that same initiative three um, that he does have and, and the same three force. And then went with the ability after you defend, if you were not hit, recover one force. Okay. Yeah. That, that's it. Just straightforward. Yep. Um, yeah. I think on my talent, I probably had too much text. <laughs> um, and it, you know, I think we give the designers a hard time for how much text they put on cards. It's hard to have uh, the ability you want in a concise way. Right. Um, but here I said, you know what? I, you know, I kind of wanted to add a little bit more, but this is simple enough. And I think it captures uh, what I want, which, you know, if you think about like an attack of the clones when he absorbs Dooku's lightning attack, right? And sends that back. You know, Yoda like uses the strength of his opponent against them. He, you know, takes their attack um, and uses it to charge himself up. And so, you know, having something that was based on your opponent's attack, I thought was really cool. And then, oh, yeah, let's just get a force back. That seems like a good way to um, capture what's happening there. So to start, uh, A plus for keeping it to a very uh, concise text block, because obviously we complain about the hefty text blocks that we see now in all the, X, like a lot of the new X-Wing designs. So like a single line of text for a pretty cool ability seems great. I like that this ability is, it's reminiscent of Luke in the X-Wing a little bit. It is a little bit reminiscent of Yoda's other ability. Um, it is very powerful, like just reading that. It is. Yeah, on a three agility. Yeah, I know. <laughs> a three agility ship. So that that's something there. Now you have I-3 to balance it out where um, being an I three, like he's not gonna have a, a great positioning advantage, um, so he's probably gonna get shot at more just because he'll be a little bit more predictable. I know it's good. I I'm curious to see where you'd cost this because obviously the force is such a powerful mechanic that you kind of have to 
balance it a little bit differently for ships that have it, even if they're kind of like lacking in other areas like I3 or something? Well, so there's a few things here. One, uh, one thing I like about this is it's actually better on the normal Delta 7 or calibrated laser Delta and, and less good on the 7B where um, you're less likely to fully defend that attack. Um, so you want that three agility. So I went with 44 points and I thought about this one probably the most out of my points. So another initiative three Delta seven is Ahsoka who's at 43 points and has one less force, um, but a pretty good ability as well. Um, an ability where you're like, you know what? I don't care that she's initiative three. I want this ability in my list. You know, Yoda here is not helping anybody else, but does keep your ship on the table longer, right? It, it's much more of a defensive ability. Um, but you don't get much offense because, you know, you have to line up that CLT um, bullseye to get uh, more than just two attack dice. And, and at initiative three, that's less likely. Um, and you do still have just the four hit points. Um, and the Ida Yoda is 48. I think another good comparison is Mace Windu at 46 right now, who has three force and a way to get force back as well, um, plus a higher initiative. And, and I think on the Delta 7s, initiative is really important where you have that repositioning. Um, so I feel pretty good about 44. What do you think? So I think 44 is actually a little bit low. And I think so that like the main factors you have to consider here is that um, because the ship can be three agility and because the ship does have access to a couple different forms of regen, um, there's the potential that even at I3, like late game, you can just, you know, do a purple action to spend a force to get an evade, which is a guaranteed evade result. And then you have this possibility where every shot coming at you you can spend you can spend tokens and then get force backs. So you're ready for the next shot. Where this guy, like even if Yoda's not doing a lot of damage, he doesn't like he might just not die. Um, and I think my opinion on X-wing abilities is I, I favor abilities that really advance offense because they accelerate the game to a more complete ending. I feel like any ability that dramatically improves defense needs to be quite a bit more expensive. So I was putting it probably closer to 48, comparing it to Mace and Obi-Wan in the other sprite. I could maybe see it a point below that, but I don't think you could go as low as 44. So the thing, though, is, um, like, the Edas are generally more expensive than the base Delta 7s. Um, and, like, I... Yes, like, you can keep this ship alive a little bit longer, but, like... I don't know, you still roll blanks, like you're spending a force to get that evade token if you do that. Um, I mean, now that we have access to cards like Patience, though, I think that takes it to a different level, though, too, where you have multiple ways where you can get the force back if you want to stay alive. Like, I don't think I could... I don't think he sees play at 48. Um, I mean, the other Yoda doesn't see play now, right. so I don't think that's... Like, and I, I think <laughs> for such an iconic Star Wars character, that's a problematic. Um, it's like, oh, he's an initiative three pilot. Like, that's interesting. I don't know. I, I could see like 45, maybe 46. I can't see 48 on this. 
I will have to. Uh, I will put out some. I think we'll put out some polls this week, and we can do each of our cards and see what people think. Yeah, I I, I love being wrong at these things. I I, I like <laughs> at some points I really agree with, but it's it's after I've put them on the table. Just looking at a card, it's really hard to just say, "Yep, that's what the points are going to be." Okay, what pilot do you have, Tim? All right, so this one, a new pilot for an iconic Star Wars character that already appears in the game. Uh, so my wife is a big Star Wars, classic Star Wars novel fan. Um, so she does not like the lack of uh, good Cornhorn representation in the game. So of course I picked Cornhorn, and we put him in a proper X-Wing this time, T-65 X-Wing. So I have Cornhorn, the mindful Jedi, at I-5 in a T-65 X-Wing. Um, and I also went with a relative, I feel like it's a relatively simple ability, like, you know, one line of text ability. He's got two force charges with the ability, while you perform an attack, if all of your force charges are active, you may change one focus result to a critical result. So um, this ability kind of in part inspired actually by Count Dooku, the crew ability for Count Dooku, where you have to have all your force charges active to trigger it. Um this ability is supposed to kind of emphasize Corrin focusing on an event. And when he's, you know, got all his force charges, he's fully focused on what's going on so that without even spending his force charges, he could modify his attack. And then he could either spend those force charges to modify the attack further or save him for defense. But if he ends up spending all his force charges, he kind of loses some of his focus. If he doesn't have them all up, he's not going to be able to do that extra attack mod. Um, well, what this really seems reminiscent is uh, first edition Poe, where it's like if you have a focus, you can modify one focus result or something. That's what oh, this feels yeah, like. I guess that's in my subconscious. Yeah, uh, which you did play a lot of that, and and maybe that's an ability you're missing. Um, <laughs> I miss the old. Yeah, I mean it was it was fun. It was so good too. I mean that was a game changer. I do think like the way you have this worded with the two forces, like that's a cool dynamic so if you spend any force you lose this ability um there's also the balance point where if you get shot at first right you have to decide how you want to spend it if you're getting shot at i6 and you're kind of in a position well do i spend the charge to you know get the defense but then i won't get my attack mod so there is a little counterplay there too at the i6 initiative right um Okay, and so you have while you perform an attack and not while you perform a primary attack. Is that um, deliberate? That's intentional. Okay. That is deliberate. Oof, I don't like that um, just for costing this because that seems really good. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, it's supposed to be. He's not going to be okay. Um, <laughs> okay, and, and, and maybe don't tell Kaleas. I don't know if Cornhorn's an iconic character. <laughs> Uh, he's absolutely like, okay, that's going to be the first poll we put up. Is Cornhorn an iconic Star Wars character? Um, well, okay, so let's think about what Rebels have right now. They have Wedge and Luke, who are great proton torpedo X-Wings. And now we're giving a third one here, Cornhorn, also Initiative 5. I mean, that part's probably fine. Um, but yeah, here's a double-modded torpedo um, that is you might not even need to spend your force on a double crit torpedo. Yeah. Yeah. Don't love that. <laughs> yeah. Have wedge shoot a plasma torpedo and then corn horn, uh, follow that up. I mean, then you're running a list probably with three X wings, right? Does this cost more than Luke? Uh, I put it just under Luke, but I would also accept at Luke's cost. I think Luke is actually still better than this card. So Luke gives you force back, which is really good. 
Um, but having something where you don't have to spend a force for a fourth pilot, I think is kind of wild. But you don't get it all the time. Well, you get the force back each turn. <laughs> I don't know. You do. <laughs> um, so where would you... I, so I was putting this card at like 59 points. What is Luke? Luke's 62 okay. right now. Um, I think I put it at 61. I think I just put okay, it so one still, less than Luke. Still sub Luke, because I think it, it's kind of like that. Um, oh, what was that like? You know, the Poe difference, right? Where it's like kind of neg- negligible what the actual difference is. Yeah. All right, I I believe that I would fly him at. 61. Okay, what is what is the price point? Can you fit wedge Luke and Corin with torpedoes? What what is oh, that no. price point? No, that's what I need to points, know. So they that would pop. We'll put a plasma uh, on wedge. Okay, so where I don't think you could still do that. Oh, that would be funny to find out here, though. I just have to double up Luke, basically. We're going to take a pause for a moment to figure out if you could run three X-Wings. No, you can't. You can't. I, uh, no. See, it's perfectly okay. balanced, as all things should be. Um, That's fine, then. <laughs> it's not a problem. All right, Carson. So let's each uh, let's each pick one of the card designs that the other person designed. As w- what's our favorite of the of the cards you designed? So I can go first here because I went uh, last on the last card. So um, my favorite card you designed is probably Reckless Arrogance, just because it does so many things, and I'm kind of into that. Like, but this card is going to be a nightmare to put all that text on on one card, oh, right? Terrible. I'm going to try and I'm going to figure out how it would be like mechanically worded, worded better. Later. But have the same like concept. I will find a way to make it happen. Yeah, I think I think it's doable. I think it's not like more words than some of the cards we've seen. It's not more than I don't know whatever. Tearfawn Belly Run, or what are the what are the weird long ones? Um, I I like that one though, just because I like that it is very different. It feels like there there were cards like talent cards early on, like Debris Gambit. It's kind of in that field where they feel weird and interesting, and they're not so conventional. Um, so I think that's probably the best of the three cards you designed. Mirror Lance is cool, but I think it's a little too just, I don't know. It's a little too on the nose for card designs. Like it's obviously good. And I don't want cards that are obviously good. I want cards that are maybe good, but sometimes. Right. Reckless arrogance. You have to work for it a little bit. You need to, you need to earn your power. Um, well in the same, um, kind of thought pattern there, I I think apex predator is a slam dunk. I think that's actually something that that needs to be in this game. Uh, I like, both the name being a reference to Predator, an X-Wing card, and uh, the Apex Predators in Titanfall Apex Legends. Uh, I think that's great. Um, and I think, I don't know, this just feels like it should already be a scum talent of like being a bounty hunter, getting those bounties and getting upgraded, right? Like that concept should be in this game. Um I'd see it as a scum exclusive too. I wouldn't mind that either. Like that would be fine. Yeah, like that. It just seems, um, it's really cool. Like, it's a good design. It's really flavorful. Like you're you're clear what this card is is capturing, and and it captures that in game really well. Uh, like maybe balance like how much reroll potential you get with it. I could see a little tweaking there. Um, of- I actually went back and forth where like you could run the car, you could do the card differently where like one, one charge gets you one reroll and three gets you two. Like there's some, there's some ways you could angle. Yeah. It. I think it may be like it, one reroll for every time you defend or attack. Like, cause lone wolf is one reroll a turn for an attack or defense 
when conditions are met, right? Right. Um, and so it's substantially better when you get even just one charge. But like, I like I like the concept there. It's like, okay, like what I would like is getting one reroll per turn with one charge and and then keep having that stack up uh, maybe up to three. I'm not, I'm not sure and quite see, on the wording of that. Um, right. I think there's a way to, and then like I thought of that too. And I think that's kind of maybe what I've learned looking at the cards I designed and the cards you designed is like, these feel like very, very much first attempts at design where like, obviously when you're making a game, there would be a whole nother layer of like testing these things and figuring out where the tweaks need to be on the wording and the costing and the, you know, range mechanics and all that. But stuff. like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if any X-Wing designers listen to this podcast, but this card I think is sweet and, and like use this concept. Cause I like, of all the six cards we talked about, like this is the one uh, of anything I want to see in the game. I'll say on record right now that I uh, I do not need any royalties. I completely offer this design up free of any charge, any um, expectation of credit. I don't need credit for it, though I'll claim credit for it later. Um, you're free to use this design and release it in a uh, official X-Wing product. You just need uh, your mug on the art for it, right? <laughs> I just, I just want to be on the tournament altar. That's you just want I your ask. face on the card that says Apex Predator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. My dopey smile. You were already on the organized play page. <laughs> I was. I was the face of organized play once upon a time. I hope I have a screenshot of that somewhere. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX. If you like the show, please go on to facebook.com slash Radio TCX and like our Facebook page. And if you like the show, please consider going on to iTunes and leaving the show a five-star review saying what you like about the show and why others should listen. And if you want to support the show directly, please consider going on to patreon.com slash Radio TCX um, becoming a supporter of the show today. It really means so much to us, and thank you to everyone who's already supported the show. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week.